0: and ultimately exit successful group practices. In short, we create clarity, confidence, and results. Welcome everyone to season two, episode 26 of the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. And today we're going to do a deep dive into the world of the Gallup organization and the Harvard Business Review to see what those two entities have to say around the subject of onboarding onboarding is getting a lot of discussion these days in the world of HR and certainly in the world of group dental practices. I'm going to go deep and compare and contrast with both of those two entities, give you a couple of other things to think about. It's a subject we get a lot of questions about. So thanks for joining me. It's sure to be a note taking episode, get your pad and pen ready for another cup of that wonderful meal of coffee. The Group Practice Accelerator podcast is on the air. Thanks, everyone, once again, for joining me on the show today. We have been talking a lot about uh, associates, associate equity, pathways to partnership, uh, and a whole lot of other things around that general topic. It's always a hot topic in our world because it's the number one problem of every group practice. And I have been talking about uh, a concept, I guess, or a word called onboarding for A while now, um, probably the better part of two years, and you know maybe uh, dummy me, maybe I thought everybody knew exactly what I was talking about and what I meant and intended around it. And recently, I I think there's um, been a scenario where I've been confronted with some people who are a little bit confused by it. Um, So I took a step back, you know, tried to to think through some of the questions I had been getting, some of the answers I had been sharing and try to recast this in a little bit of a different light, because maybe I glossed over onboarding too quickly in some of my prior podcasts and some of what we'd written and talked about, um, not through any intent, but I guess um, I guess I didn't give it its due. So what I want to do today um, is give you a little bit of insight into uh, two recent articles that I dug up and found One from the Gallup organization. Gallup does a lot of polling. You probably know them through political polling. The Gallup organization says the Republicans are going to win this, the Democrats are going to win that. Um, Trump's in the lead, Biden's in the lead. You know, Gallup is prominent around election season. That being said, Gallup does a lot more than that. And they are a uh, tremendous organization and they do a lot. Around workplace surveys, um, and you know, this is some of the, the uh, um, some of their sightings in the past have been around why people leave companies and the influence of a mentor, um, bad managers, culture, and core values. A lot of things like that. Um, Gallup tends to go really, really deep uh, as it relates to um, workplace surveys and. They had a a study that came out relatively recently um, uh, within the last year or so, and it was around the topic of creating an exceptional onboarding experience for new employees. Um, And as they are want to do, um, they cite a lot of statistics through a lot of their polling. Uh, And I think this will give us insights into the workforce overall. uh, And certainly there is a ton to apply here for group dental practices. So my hope is that digging into this data a little bit more will give you further insights into what we mean when we talk about onboarding, uh, how you can maybe adapt what you're doing or think about it differently. And then I'm gonna seal up the conversation uh, with uh, a couple of references to a recent article um, from the Harvard Business Review that that came out maybe a couple of months ago, actually, so it's it's sort of hot off the presses. Uh, so so here goes, uh, you know, onboarding. I think we've we've thought about onboarding historically from uh, a new employee's first day on the job. They show up. Um, hey, it's great to have you. Uh, welcome aboard. I'm gonna take you out to lunch today. But before we do that, you need to fill out some forms and you need to read the employee handbook and the um the operations manual. And you know, it's kind of like a sort of like a day of uh not test taking, but compliance almost, you know. You you have to check all the boxes, you gotta get all the forms filled out. Um, you gotta you gotta do all the stuff, right? And you know, maybe that spills over into day two or day three and that's kind of it, um, and it, it doesn't go much further than that. Maybe it does in some group practices because, after all, y'all are healthcare providers. You're not you're not hiring desk jockeys the way you wouldn't in, in corporate America, right? So there's a little bit more when we say compliance in a healthcare arena. There's certainly a difference uh, that versus um, something in corporate America. But that being said, I think um, onboarding is is just a a big box to check before the new employee can start, you know? And and that's not what it is, what it should be, and arguably what it needs to be moving forward. So the Gallup organization uh, asked employees and employers a lot of different questions in a survey. And here are a couple of the highlights to keep in mind. And again, this is not healthcare. This is certainly not dentistry. This is the um, overall economy that includes Healthcare services, but only 12% of employees strongly agree that their organization does a great job of, of onboarding new employees. The bar is really low, okay? So it is the, the, the new employee's first experience in your business. It's more than their first day on the job. It's a day of confirmation that they made the right decision in choosing you and saying, that's the job I want. That's the company I want to work for. That's the person I believe in. And if barely 12% agree that the organization does a great job of onboarding new employees, we got a ways to go. We need to sell the sizzle. This needs to be more than compliance. It needs to be confirmation. It needs to be exciting. It needs to be a roadmap to the development of their entire career. This is the cornerstone and the first day of that. And onboarding is not a day or even a week. It is something that really should last a lot longer. I'm going to talk about that in just a second, too. Again, when asked, 29%, less than a third, of new hires say they feel fully prepared and supported to excel in their new role. 29% feel fully prepared. And supported to excel in their new role. So, what does that tell you? It, it it tells you that when people start a new job or a new position, they're anxious. They're not sure what success looks like. They're not sure who to turn to if they get, you know, if they get in a bind. Um, they don't know the way the organization operates. The way it's glued together. Uh, these are things that. You've got to allay their anxiety a little bit. I mean, they they want to be part of your team. They wouldn't have taken the job otherwise, but they also have a lot to learn and a lot to understand about the organization. And they wanna, they want to feel supported. You know, if we're talking about associates specifically here, this is a great opportunity to drive home the experience of your team. Your support team, from the administrative and and uh, business team to the clinical team, and everybody that interfaces up and down the line—they all play a critical role to make that associate successful. And I think it's worth it to—I'll sh- well, just say it—shamelessly self-promote about the the tenure, the experience of your team that is going to be supporting. Uh, that new associate. That's critically important to to bed them into the culture and to know that they are joining a team of A players who have a ton of experience and that experience is gonna be manifested in their overall success. A third thing that uh, the, the Gallup survey returned was that it typically takes about 12 months for a new employee to reach their performance potential really takes about 12 months for them to reach their full performance potential. I would argue that it's a lot longer for a healthcare provider. Becoming a master at your craft is a lifelong journey, let's face it. But when we talk about clinical mastery at, at whatever their given level is, and this is especially true if you're hiring um, associates directly out of dental school or out of residency, you know, hand speed, clinical confidence, um, diagnosis ability, um, you know, all of that, that kind of makes somebody a ma- an initial master at their craft, at least at their current level be- before taking the next steps towards mastery um, probably takes longer than 12 months. Do you have a plan for that? I mean, can you lay it out to them and clarify it, or you know, help them to understand the stair steps and the methodology behind it? I think that's critically important. So when we talk about the impact on new employees. You have to think of this as a system and a process, and not just a matter of checking boxes and and getting them squared away and settled. Um, you know, the 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 journey itself is going to be a lot longer one overall. And this is really the first step in that journey if you take development seriously. And and I would argue that you have to in today's world. Development meaning leadership and clinical uh, development specifically. The other thing uh, about onboarding, just from a big picture, is that it really is a point, it's the first real initial point to reinforce Your culture, your core values. If you have core values that are up on a wall and you don't talk about them, they're not really part of the fabric of your organization. And there's not really a culture to to support those core values. If you don't take it, if you don't take core values and culture seriously, don't expect an associate to. And and more and more of today's uh, younger workforce, millennials specifically, um, are. Incredibly oriented towards values and culture. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you candidly, we're going through the recruiting process uh, to bring on a couple of more um members to our data and analytics team, um, critical team and at here at Polaris, uh, and they are the ones that spread all the numbers, do all the financial analysis, and are really the analytics backbone behind our organization. And we take um, you know, our typical candidate is probably not not right out of mba school or anything they've they're probably they've they've had a stint at a maybe a major bank or an investment bank or something like that and they've Learn some things about credit models and and you know um, forecasting financials and data analysis and all that kind of stuff. So we're not a starter job, but we're probably you know their second or third job I would say for for most of the people who join our team. So they tend to skew a lot younger I would say generally speaking 32 and under maybe and these are um, uh, people of the millennial generation and DeWalker and I were interviewing several. Uh, two weeks ago, week and a half ago. And um, both of them uh, separately, when, when we said, okay, what questions do you have for us? And what would you like to know about Polaris? Both of them asked, you know, how would you describe your culture or tell me about the culture here at Polaris? And, you know, shame on me for not leading with that, uh, without talking about that you know, in the first five minutes of the interview, it's a learning point for me too. I'm, I'm sitting here telling y'all about onboarding and culture and core values and everything. And, and this was a classic case where, you know, coming out of that, I was like, well, dummy, you tell people about this all the time. And, you know, wouldn't it be better if you spent a little bit more time on it? So I think we can all learn these things and what the candidates are looking for through the interview process and certainly in the onboarding process. Culture is a key to that. The other thing is that the onboarding process is the cornerstone for a much bigger, much larger, much more expansive overall strategy around engagement, performance, and development. That is mission critical. The last word I said is development. Talk about leadership development, talk about clinical skill development, making somebody a better uh, employee or partner or clinician than they would otherwise be on their own is absolutely mission critical in today's world of group practices. And it absolutely begins with the onboarding process. Even though we're not talking about clinical skill development right away, I think it's really important to, to at least show the roadmap for what they're going to be a part of after they move through that first three to 12 month period. Um, it does set the expectation for growth and development. And that is obviously very, very important. So Gallup also said there are really five questions around onboarding. Um, And and this is from the lens of the uh, employee. Okay. And and they kind of they, they, The survey, the report does a really nice job of kind of um, breaking all this down. I'm not gonna read the entire report. Yeah, you can Google it online or maybe we can link to it in the show notes uh, if you'd like. <clears throat> that way you could access it for those who really do wanna read more about it. But I would say the, the five questions they allude to are um, representative of what we see in a lot of groups. And the five questions around onboarding again, from the employee's standpoint are, what do we believe in around here? That's that culture thing that I just mentioned before. So what is culture? How do you define it? How do you reinforce it? What are the core values of the organization? And how do you make decisions relative to that? Um, And that's a discussion point that's um, uh, worthy of the first couple of days of onboarding. So what do we believe in around here? what are my strengths? Again, this is from the employee or the associate's uh, perspective. So everybody likes to play to their strengths. And even though probably a lot of the associates you're bringing in are going to be earlier stage of their career, typically, um, you know, they may have, I don't want to say a lot of deficiencies, they may have a lot to learn, Okay, a lot of confidence to build over time. But at the same time, they probably do uh, gravitate toward certain types of procedures, they probably do have um, strengths in terms of personal character or leadership ability or uh, diagnosis or case presentation at ShareSide, things like that. This is the opportunity for, for you to kind of uncover what they think they do well. How can you accentuate that? How can that actually contribute to your organization? Everybody brings a different background to, to a company. But you're hiring them for more than than just, in this case, their clinical skill, right? There's more there, there. And I think you, you owe it to yourself to spend a little bit of time to try to tease out some of that early on. Uh, obviously, make sure they're clear in what their role is early on and through the onboarding process. I, I, I've looked at a lot of different onboarding plans for a lot of our clients and I'll tell you, there are a number of them that, you know, the associate simply is um, shadowing a mentor for the balance of the first three to four weeks. They don't even really pick up a handpiece. Um, they're, they're learning uh, about the culture. They're learning about how um, the organization takes um, uh, diagnosis, case presentation, treatment planning, all of those things uh, into light. And, and really, the first couple of weeks for them are, are spent in an observing type of a capacity. So, you know, that's not why you hired them to be an observer. You hired them to be a doer, to be an associate. But how does that grow and expand over time? And the onboarding programs that I've seen, at least, typically last... Um, around 12 weeks, which is about 90 days, 12 to 13 weeks. Um, So I would say if your expectation around onboarding is a week, you owe owe it to yourself and the candidates to allow for more time than that. Um, And a lot of what we see, especially in the specialty ranks, um, do push the 10 to 13 week uh, timeframe. Uh, The fourth question beyond what do we believe in around here, what are my strengths, what is my role, being the first three, the fourth question is, who are my partners? And I teased this earlier about your clinical staff, especially the assistants, the hygienists, the treatment coordinators, um, people that present treatment, um, you know, finance people, all of that, depending on how developed your organization is. Man, it's really important to, to feel like when you come into an organization that you have a solid team behind you. Um, I can tell you, uh, from my years at Patterson, um, I walked into three different operations during my 15 years. Um, one was a complete uh, in a complete shambles and was a total turnaround. The second one had already been turned around but still had a good ways to go, and I had to build upon that. And the third was an organization that really uh, had all the bones there, just needed uh, a little bit of direction and and some um, tactics around what we did in the marketplace. But I could build off of a lot of strengths that were already there. Those are three completely different scenarios that you're walking into as the business leader, and it it's a daunting proposition. Let me put it that way, because as the general manager of those operations. I'm kind of alone on an island. Do I have a support network? I absolutely do. A lot of the support network that's beneath me, I can't talk about the challenges I'm having (laughs) because they roll up to me. And a a lot of the support network that's above me is remote. And in those scenarios, you do feel pretty isolated. Um, You obviously operate a much more... um, people-centric organization do the nature of of what a group dental practice is and I would tell you that it is critically important for uh, new associates to feel like they are a part of the team that the team is a bunch of A players and the team is fully committed to supporting them and if you can achieve that then they are going to be on fire and really confident about what they are doing so Who are my partners? What is my support network is the fourth question. And then the fifth one uh, is, what does my future look like around here? And that is that clinical development program that I mentioned before. Talked about that on prior podcasts. This is maybe a two to three year development track about expanded clinical skills and learning specialty procedures and becoming a master at your craft and everything like that. But people don't join an organization to be a mushroom, to be put in a corner with uh, never a light shined on them, um, you know, and just kind of operate in the dark or in the basement. They join an organization because they're excited about where that organization is going and arguably more importantly they join the organization because they see themselves becoming successful in it that the organization will support them in their overall growth and development if you don't have a growth and development plan that is laid out and and specified that you can walk somebody through and show them on paper what their next one to two to three years looks like you're you're competing with organizations that do that okay so if you don't do that you're a at a decided disadvantage you know a smile and a handshake doesn't get it done in, in today's world anymore so you really you really owe it to yourself to to seal the deal by showing them what the future may look like uh, for them So again this study from Gallup, is uh, uh is really really good it's got some some actionable stuff that's readily applicable to to what we talk about and what we do um uh and, and our when i say we i mean the world of group dental practices certainly um and then you know beyond that the the Harvard Business Review article um takes it a little bit of a, a step further they they reinforce the aspects of setting up a new hire for success um and decreasing the time it takes for them to become comfortable in their role, um, which are some of the things that uh, uh, that that the Gallup organization, you know, reinforced or laid out for you. And then the keys to onboarding success from the HBR article are broken down into three essentially. Uh, one is setting clear goals and measures for success, and you know that's onboarding goals, that's future development goals, um, and, and really trying to clarify what success looks like in your organization for that candidate some of this is compliance early on some of it's being clear about what your expectations are there's obviously the culture piece and making sure that there's a mentor in place for them they go through all of that um, and uh, uh do a nice job kind of laying it out uh, in the article. The second step is creating multi-departmental onboarding teams. And I think about this from a context of a, a dental practice in and of itself. You have the business team, you have the clinical team, you probably have the, um, the treatment coordinators or scheduling or case presentation and finance, you know, that kind of uh, support system that, that facilitates uh, case acceptance, if you will. Um, and I think all three of those are are really critical um, in the way that they work in concert to support that young associate and make them feel like they're really, really teed up for success. Um, and then the third aspect is the that part about providing support through the entire onboarding journey. Um, and, and this is, again, resetting your expectations around when we say journey, what that means? It's not a day or two. It's really much longer, uh, and it it has a lot more breadth and depth to it. So, I was looking back over one of the onboarding documents for a, a Peto Ortho group that I I work with. that is a a high performer and really an exemplary organization. And you know, there there's is broken down. It's a, about a twelve week program, I'll tell you, um, and it it breaks down initially. The philosophies around how we diagnose, how we treatment plan, and then how do we audit. They actually go through a description of all that. Theirs is broken down into um, uh, three different phases, each of which are about four weeks. And you know, the first phase is really shadowing um, and, and kind of learning the culture. Um, learning the systems, the processes, the support team. The second phase is starting to do some basic treatment and they do some general anesthesia cases. So they want to bring them up slowly in that phase two. And then phase three is really starting to, to fire on all cylinders and work and have the, the mentor watch the candidate or, excuse me, the associate more closely in that phase three to know that once they roll out of phase three, it's full throttle beyond that. Uh, they do a really, really nice job in, in phase one, which again, is about four weeks. They break down each of the weeks and each of the days within the week um, to say what's going to happen when and how it's all structured. So there's uh, there's no mystery whatsoever for the associate in terms of what they're going to be doing. It's highly, highly structured. Uh, phases two and phase three um, are, are a little bit more wash, rinse, repeat, so less specificity um uh in terms of like the compliance piece and blocking and tackling but certainly um uh still with the expectations of ongoing ongoing development and how the um uh, associate ultim- ultimately reaches some level of success uh in each phase before they are given the ultimate green light to uh um to start fully functioning on their own so this is a a topic that again i I didn't spend enough time on with y'all. And, you know, I I appreciate all the feedback I've gotten um, from that. And hopefully this gives you more clarity around what we're trying to achieve in an onboarding scenario and what we mean by onboarding. And maybe also, um, you know, the way you want to take a step back and take a second look at what you're doing in your organization. So, I hope you've all found that to be a bit more educational and hopefully I clarified um, uh, to a great degree uh, a lot of what we uh, mean when we say onboarding. If you do have further questions, uh, you can email me directly at parent at Polaris Stick around, we'll be right back with some additional thoughts and to wrap up the show. So before we wrap up today, um, I wanted to take a quick second and say that um, obviously we, uh, we broadcast, I guess, we launched um, a, a group practice summit in conjunction with Dermastis. I covered that at the uh, Dental Success Summit out in Phoenix on Friday, June the 10th, I think it was, <laughs> if, if I remember correctly. Um, so um, it, whatever that Friday was, but in any event, this is going to be a lot of fun. And, and Mark and I and DeWalker and all of Mark's team are really, really excited about it. We are going to limit this thing to probably 150 people or possibly less. We're firming up those numbers right now. Um, but this is going to be um, a, you know, uh, two days, October 5th through 7th. October 5th is going to be registration and a cocktail reception. But the the meat of the matter will be covered on Thursday, the 6th, and Friday, the 7th of October. Um, we're firming up details with the Denver Hotel. And, and by the time you hear this, they may be firm. So we'll link to it all in the show notes. But topics, you know, that we're going to cover are that growth journey from uh scaling yourself we're calling it scaling from clinician to ceo Uh, and it's going to be scaling yourself out of the chair we're going to compare and contrast growth strategy buy versus build and what to consider and how to model out some of that stuff in both contexts obviously we're going to talk about legal structure Um, because that's critically important for people to get right uh, in terms of everything from operating agreement to what a DSO actually is legally speaking and compare and contrast equity with it. Um, We will have uh, some things around associate equity, um, buy-ins, earn-ins. You've heard me talk about profits, interest unit and restricted stock unit. So go through all of that. Talk about cap table management as well. Uh, and then we'll probably have um, a, a lot around financial reporting, daily metrics, and KPIs, as well as uh, what they call cost center accounting. If you're going to set up set up a uh, a management company, it's important to get all that uh, financial reporting structure in place uh, and ready um, for when you uh, uh, you know when you need to implement it. So. Uh, there'll be a couple of personal journeys as well. We'll talk about debt recapitalization and the best way to use bank funds, how to think about it um, from a growth strategy standpoint. It's going to be a lot of topics there. It's going to be, as you would well imagine, a lot of detail, a lot of math. Um, We're going to get deep in the weeds on a lot of this. This is not death by panel. Okay. So if you're, if you would rather just hear people talk, uh, about the business they've built and have a lot of non-specific guidance around what you should do when you get home, this ain't your your conference. If you're looking for a conference to to attend to take a lot of notes to really rack your brain on and and to to you know drink through a fire hose, this is going to be the one for you. Um, so we will link to it in the sh- show notes. again, we're going to limit the headcount, on it, but certainly look forward to uh, seeing you and hoping that you can join us. There'll be more details to come. And like I say, it's a lot of this is coming out right now. So depending on when this episode drops and everything, it may already be in the, uh, um, uh, in the marketplace, but hopefully you will be able to join us October 5th through 7th in Denver um, for that group practice uh, summit. I hope you got a lot out of today's episode. Um, I hope I clarified a lot of things around onboarding it's a worthy topic for those that haven't given it the, the full focus. Now's the time to do it, guys. It's, it's really uh, mission critical to your success. If you got questions, again, feel free to drop them directly to me at Perrin at perrin.polarishealthcarepartners.com. And if you do like what you're hearing on the podcast, please do leave us a, a rating. Uh, it does help for SEO and everything else, show rankings and everything. Uh, and we value your feedback. So I appreciate it. The Walker appreciates it. All of us appreciate it. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.